Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Shar. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. What's up, bitch talkers? You're so excited and proud to have um, Helen Cho and Lisa Yadao, Lisa Dow, back on the show to talk about HBO's Takeout with Lisa Ling. Thank you so much for coming back onto Bitch Talk, Lisa. And thank you so much, Helen, for coming on for your first time. Thanks so much for having us. So um, I'm going to go with Helen first. If you can tell our audience, if they haven't seen it yet, what Takeout is about. So Takeout is a series. It's on the surface. It's a food series. Um, but each episode uh, explores a different Asian-American community and, um, you know, kind of shines a spotlight on um what we feel are, you know, Asian American history and stories that just really haven't been told and either either been erased or from our history books or just overlooked. Um, and yeah, it's, it, you know, we have six episodes in total. Uh, Lisa Yadao directed the uh, lovely first Filipino New Orleans episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's something that, you know, it's crazy that it's 2022 and this you know, it took this long for something like this to um, come out. But yeah, we're so happy that it's out in the world now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, we we have to agree on that. And Lisa, the last time you're on, we didn't talk about this on air, but you snuck it in at the end when we were just like trying to catch up about life. And you're like, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm a part of this show and it's going to be on HBO. It's called Lisa Ling's Takeout. And we're like, what? Yeah, what? We need another 30 minutes. How are you just going to throw that at us? <laughs> so, Lisa, can you talk about how did this, did this happen and how did you and Helen meet? Yeah, actually, Helen approached me and like I knew of Helen. But when I got her email, I was like, I just didn't put the two together. I was like, oh, OK, I'll, uh, I'll talk to her. There's this really cool project. Um, I had come off of like this huge campaign for a client. Prior to that, I was working on um, my client's like content. Prior to that, I was working in tech. So I was completely burnt out. I was like, I don't know if I could take another project. I need, I need a break. And then Helen, I got an email from Helen. I think she found me on uh, Brown Girls Stock Mafia. And I just thought like, this is an opportunity to like, it's the visibility that we've been craving that we've been wanting the representation and why wouldn't I be part of this? So um, yeah, that's how we met. She reached out to me and, and, um, and yeah, it was, it's just been, it's been amazing working with her and learning from her. And she's just an amazing showrunner and amazing storyteller. And I'm glad she brought all these different directors together to bring our um, perspectives to the episodes and, and editors too, just an amazing, um, a team, an amazing crew. Yeah, I'm glad you brought brought that out because on the topic of it's about damn time, uh, I, I would love to hear from both of you how Asian American representation has evolved since you first got into the entertainment industry. And also because you both really value the importance of crew, how that doesn't just mean in front of the camera, it means behind the camera as well. 
Well, to Lisa's point, I want to give a shout out to Brown Girls Doc Mafia because, you know, we're, we're both members and a lot of the crew actually, um, you know, are members and, you know, they have this wonderful database if you're not aware of it or if you're not, if you're, uh, you know, a person of color, woman of color or non-binary and, you know, you want to sort of, you know, um, be, I guess, um, it's just a place where you can, you know, be discovered or like there's just one place where if you're looking for work or you're looking for crew or you're interested in kind of making your presence more known. It's this amazing database that you can, you know, or, you know, kind of search by ethnicity, by position, by, um, you know, background. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's a really wonderful place. And a lot of the people that I interviewed and ultimately ended up hiring um, a lot of them that came through that uh, database. So I think like organizations like that are so important to highlight and spotlight. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've been working in the sort of travel docu space for 10 plus years and, um, and uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, like most of the people that I've worked with have been, uh, you know, white dudes and white women, um, very talented, lovely people. But like when we go out in places, like oftentimes I was only the, you know, the only person of color unless, you know, we were working obviously with a lot of like local fixers and local crew. Um, but when it comes down to especially directors, producers, showrunners, the people in the, you know, making the key creative decisions have mostly been, um, white folks. And so I think, um, you know, to be quite honest, like I also wasn't really interested in doing another food uh, show because I, it kind of felt like, okay, I've done that, you know, what, what can I do next? But having this opportunity to tell, you know, such Asian American centered stories, it's, it was such a, I felt like, you know, and if I'm getting the opportunity to get to be in this position, um, like it's like a no brainer that we bring in or we, you know, do our best to bring in as many Asian American creatives um, as possible. Um, and, you know, to me, like I produced for many, many years and I didn't get to direct until actually recently. And of course, when I started directing, it was this moment of like, oh, I've been doing this shit for like years. It's just like, just <laughs> haven't had the title or like, you know, whatever. And, um, it's, it's a lot of like this numbers game, right? Of like, you need the opportunities, you need the episodes in order to get the practice really. And to, to be able to perfect your craft. But if no one's giving you the opportunity, they don't see you as these kind of positions and how the hell are you going to get those, that experience to get better? Um, and a, a lot of the people that I, you know, the, a lot of the Asian American creatives that, that I ended up hiring didn't necessarily have the sort of, um, you know, pre, they call it like premium platform, you know, whatever experience. But to me, it was just like, yeah, they're telling their own personal stories. They'll tell, they're telling really emotional, beautiful stories in, in such short, you know, short films or, you know, using their own like money to invest in their own projects. And to me, that's such, you know, storytelling is good storytelling is good storytelling. And, you know, the production aspect of it, like all the shit about like everything from, you know, the like language of how to speak on a walkie to like, you know, more whatever levels of shit like that, all that stuff you can learn very easily. But what you can't really, in my opinion, the sort of harder thing to learn is, is, is good taste. And, um, you know, again, like personal investment, that's something that you can't really teach somebody. It's like, they really have it or they don't, you know? Um, and so it was really important to me that our team, uh, was made up of people who were, you know, super invested in the project. And also like, you know, I, I didn't want people who just like, 
you know, production is so fucking hard. It's like, I think one thing that I learned, you know, in all of my productions, like there's no asshole rule. It's just like, you don't want to be working with people like, again, it's long hours and you want people that you can laugh with and commiserate with. And, and that, that also is so important. So um, yeah, it's kind of long way to answer saying, yeah, I worked in the business for a long time and definitely did not see a lot of people like me and the positions in which, you know, in the spaces and stuff that we're navigating, but yeah, it was really special to be able to have the, like have a beer after a long day and like, just talk about the conversations we're having or just even our shared experiences. And they were so different, but a lot of shared experiences of just being Asian American, um, working in this industry. I mean, all of the above, everything she said, I, you know, like I said, I came from, I think I told you before, I came from a legal space and then a tech space and I worked my way into production, but in all of those spaces, it was the same scenario. You know, I was the only, one of the only few Asian women. And sometimes I would get mistaken for the other Asian woman, you know, um, <laughs> in any space. So, so, and then I would sort of, I, looking back, I realized I would make myself small and, yep. you know, and especially like on a, on a set where it was a bunch of white dudes, they were all lovely people to work with. And I'm still friends with a lot of them, but I just wouldn't, I, there was no space for me to have an opinion or it didn't feel safe for me to have an opinion or to, to engage. And so to be on set on takeout and to just see like my people, you know, and, and yeah, the shared experiences to have the shared experiences and to, to, to feel safe to be able to tell these stories that was so important. And um, like in my personal projects and in the work that I do with clients, that's what I strive for. It's like um, to crew up and to have that kind of um, background, even if it's behind the camera, we're still in a way telling those stories and to have the crew be um, BIPOC women, you know, whatever, that's like so, so important to me. So it was refreshing to see on, on the set. Yeah, it's interesting how things change when those situations change. Um, okay, I've got to bring this up. Lisa, last time you were on, just a few months ago, you had brought up talking about um, watching Anthony Bourdain and watching his shows. And then Ange and I had the opportunity to watch Roadrunner and we saw this badass Helen Cho on and we're like, who the fuck is this yeah, bitch? We were and texting each other. Like get her on our show? Like what? Mm-hmm. So now Lisa, you're working. I mean, it's, you know, one degree away from Anthony Bourdain, but someone who was really kind of st- seems to me steering the ship of that show. How is that for you? It was surreal. I mean, also, it was very, uh, I mean, Helen's very down to earth. So it wasn't like I was like, like starstruck or anything, but it just felt like I was in good hands. Um, having her work with Anthony Bourdain so closely, I knew that it was like, uh, I was going to be okay to explore and to learn and to grow from this amazing woman, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of surreal too, you know? Cause I, I mean, I, Anthony Bourdain is one of my heroes. And so, um, yeah, also I will say Helen on, on, on the, on, out in the field, she had some groupies herself. We were at, at the hall and we had a bunch of uh, Filipino American, we had the Filipino American community out in New Orleans. And immediately we had uh, a handful of men that were like, we, we, we love you so much and what you've done, but it was, it was, it was like, so true. It was like what you've done for the, for the Filipino American community is it's like, we'll never forget it. So they, you know, they were groupies, but they really, um, 
they spoke to a lot of what what we feel as as Filipino Americans, as Asian Americans, just the visibility and the representation to be able to see us on screen was just, and it was so rare, you know, it was like, oh my God. And it was so true. It wasn't like, they captured our essence, you know? Um, so yeah, she had groupies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, and I, I mean, like the Filipino community is hardcore. I, I, if I <laughs> knew if there was anybody who had seen or possibly had seen Roadrunner, it was going to be when we filmed with the Philippine, Philippine community. I mean, truly, like everywhere we went, like I have not seen the most uh, hardcore fans of Tony. Is like every time Tony went to the Philippines, it was like insane. It was just unlike anything. Whereas like when I went to Korea with Tony, Koreans are like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, we're like, hey, can we film here? And they're like, I don't care about this person. Like, who is this person? Like, oh, I've never been prouder of my people. Uh, I, do, I do think it is really relevant to bring up parts, parts unknown because I get the same feel watching takeout you really don't know what you're going to get from every episode they're so uniquely their mm -hmm. own but they're all just emotional informative and and really entertaining so helen how did your work on parts unknown on united shades you know we love w kamau bell as well how did the, your work on that show inform how you were going to bring your abilities to take out yeah i think um one of the things I was very upfront about to all the directors and the DP, our DPs um, and producers was that the thing, one of the things that I, I really, it was just an unbelievable privilege to have this kind of experience because it's a very uncommon in television. You know, working on Parts Unknown, we had so much leeway in terms of what we can experiment and have each episode, mm. you know, as we, as we, you know, progress over the years, you know, incorporate more film references and kind of, you know, make it more, you know, arty or, or like, do like a movie trailer in the middle of an episode if we wanted to, you know, really kind of experiment with that, you know, uh, format and have it loosely be, yes, this is like the travel food show. So I wanted to bring that sort of element to, uh, to take out. And actually, uh, my executive at CNN at the time, uh, she moved over to HBO, Lizzie Fox, and she was, like, you know, incredible in terms of collaboration, you know, of us suggesting, like, you know, having this, like, MO with all of our teams, like, hey, let's, this is, like, a chance of a lifetime, let's do it, you know, we didn't want this to feel just like this educational, like, history lesson, you know, we wanted, wanted this to be a very Asian-American-specific, you know, perspective, um, you know, and it's, again, much like Parts Unknown, how it wasn't, like, this is everything of this particular place. Like it's very much Lisa's perspective, Lisa, you know, Lisa Ling, you know, driving the series as, you know, uh, hosting it, um, wanted it to feel very personal as well. And one of the things that we wanted to make sure was that, you know, each episode felt like its own, it could be its own self-contained film and to experiment, you know, like uh, the directors, uh, you know, I guess I brought a little bit of that sort of competitiveness in terms of teams or spirit of like, you know, everyone's kind of trying to make their best thing and make something that feels true to their community and kind of, you know, uh, again, like kind of play with the format, however they want to interpret that, but definitely encourage them, you know, to instead of pulling like Italian cinema references, like pull Asian films or Asian American films or, or music or art, you know, like in the, the Filipino episode, uh, you know, we, had, we incorporated like Sean Wasabi's like Hello Hello song, which was uh, Lisa's <laughs> idea. And, um, you know, work with uh, an animator and illustrator uh, from the community. And so, you know, other episodes, like there aren't animation. And like, you know, in the Little Saigon episode, for example, my, one of my favorite segments is like, 
the, there's like a nail salon scene and just breaks out into this like karaoke video. And it's like, why is that <laughs> happening? Because we, it can, you know what I mean? Like I, I wanted it to feel fun and for people to learn, but also, um, yeah, I didn't want this to feel like some sort of like cheesy, like school project where we're like, hear us in all like our earnest like things. Like, you know, I mean, we wanted to employ all of those sort of elements of storytelling. So I think, yes, of course. I mean, like undeniably, like, you know, Tony is still very much part of who I am and uh, DNA of working on that show. And it is definitely in, in this series, but I will also say that you know, all the directors, editors, producers, um, our wonderful, you know, series DPs, like, took it to places that I could have never imagined. And, and Lisa Ling, you know, we all couldn't have imagined. So um, I think, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, you know, of course, we referenced, you know, things and like, um, you know, uh, I was mentioning how like, you know, one of the episodes we looked at was this Queens episode that we did of Parts Unknown. And there are a lot of vignettes, you know, so you'll see a little bit of that also in the series. Like we did a vignette with a dry cleaners, for example, uh, dry cleaner owner in, in the Virginia episode. And, you know, those are sort of things that, um, you know, from my experience working on that show that I want to take away. But also, again, it feels like a very different series to me and something that the, the personalness of it, you know, the investment. I mean, if you look at all of the crew members and even the way that they're talking about the series, it's just like, it, it's really overwhelming because it's, I think we all felt like this is such a special series that, you know, and we knew that we weren't going to let each other fail. In fact, it was the opposite. Like, how much can we push this, you know? Um, and it's season one. So it's really hard to like make a show that has no format and like, just be like, here are the things that all the influences and things that I think this could be, but um, yeah. I think that's sort of a long-winded way of saying, uh, yeah, very much influenced, of course, by uh, my work on Parts Unknown. And, and, you know, in Kamal's show, like, just the feeling, of, the feeling of being empowered, you know, it was something that I feel like I hadn't really experienced before. Um, and, uh, you know, even looking at, like, down to frames of B-roll, like, how is that, you know, something that people might not even like look at how are those little details adding up to, to add bigger context. Like if you look at our show open, it's 20 seconds. And if you look at it, you won't notice a, a lot of the details that are in there, but it's like, we have shots of like our crew members and like their food memories with their families. And, you know, just these sort of like little details that to me, again, add up uh, to a more richer um, experience, viewing experience, but also, uh, as us making it, it was all these little sort of like Easter eggs and details that um, we kind of, yeah, reveled in, I guess. I'd like to add to that. First of all, the Hollow Hollow song was actually from our wonderful oh, editor, was, Brian Redondo. Oh, it was Brian's idea. It was Brian's idea. So I we talked about incorporating Filipino um, instruments and all that stuff. But I, to your point about like just this rich experience, I don't, I wouldn't be able to have a conversation about Filipino music, about um, Filipino artists without Brian, without a Filipino editor, without someone from, from my, um, my, my cultural background, you know, so it's just, uh, it was just such a unique experience to, to be able to do that, uh, on set and also in the edit, you know, like I, I would never be able to, it just, it just doesn't happen, you know. I just want to bring up that watching this, it's like a, it's like a threefold experience. One, I'm like, especially for, you know, episode one that's uh, on Filipinos, other, other cultures are going to get to learn this about my culture. And that made me really excited. But also too, I learned so much about my culture, mm -hmm. which 
made me excited. And then the third point is something we don't talk about often is there's a lot of racism within the Asian community against each yeah. other. So this is going to help, you know, hopefully bridge those kinds of gaps because it certainly doesn't help our collective goal to think that way. And it actually helps our oppressors, you know, to be against each other. So it's just such a rich experience as a, as an Asian American, as a viewer to, to have those three things just going on in my mind at the same time. So I don't know what the question is there, but I just wanted to thank you. And, and do you have any further thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, all of the above making the episode and watching all of the episodes, I, I felt the same way just to be able to, um, have that common ground and to learn from each other. Um, again, I, you just don't experience that in, in normal, normal story, storytelling, you know, it just doesn't exist. So, um, and it was a treat to be able to see us on the, on the small screen, to see us, to see us, you know, and then everyone's, it's like it's such a platform for more conversations to open things up, you know? Um, yeah. I just, it's, I hope for more, you know, I hope this is just the beginning and yeah, like 2022. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, last question and we'll wrap who reached out to the Linda Linda's because that was, it's the perfect like chef's kiss to the whole series. <laughs> Whose idea. It's funny because we were thinking of, you know, uh, when we initially had the show idea, of course, we were throwing out a different, I'm like a huge fan of music just in general. Like you'll notice a lot of my episodes also on Parts Unknown and also across the series, I was very particular about music. Uh, you know, obviously we have a limited amount of budget. So there was right. only so many tracks we could license, but uh, yeah, there were a short list of people that we wanted to work with. Um, and uh, you know, when Racist Sexist Boy came out, I mean like <laughs> these like, incredible badass like you know I, i'm just like how are you that cool at that age like it's just unreal um and uh actually i think that it was um bao win who commented and we were posting about linda linda or something maybe lisa posted lisa ling posted about it or something i think he commented and lisa and i were just like uh i mean yeah like Yes, like we need to reach out to them. And Lisa's sister, I guess, knew them somehow or knew their parents somehow for many, many years. I mean, they've been playing music for, for quite a quite a bit. Um, and we just reached out to them and we had a Zoom <laughs> meeting. And, uh, you know, really, we were just like, here's what the series is. And like, we're not going to tell you like how to like make a song like that's <laughs> you guys are obviously like way cooler and way you know more talented than, than we are so uh and then they sent us a sort of draft and we were just completely i mean from the moment we heard it we were just completely obsessed um so yeah it went from there and then uh and then we uh i reached out to uh this korean american artist jeff kim um and uh yeah and then we made that title sequence together which i think like kind of really encapsulates that energy of of the of the song and i love it so much because it kind of feels a little bit angry you know in a way too it's just like what the fuck like you know <laughs> yes. it's like yes like please let us tell our fucking stories like why is it taking this long um but we're here and we're doing it you know so yeah i'm yeah. i can't wait to have you guys back on again when we talk about season two because that's gonna happen mm -hmm. uh, we are manifesting so. that 
But uh, we've been talking with executive producer Helen Cho and director producer Lisa Yadow from the HBO show Takeout with Lisa Ling. Thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk. I, I hope we have more conversations and keep doing more shit together. Thank you. Oh yeah, this is so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions.